it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. All right, forget about last summer. It's all about this summer. We've all been inside long enough, so grab some beach towels, stock the cooler, and make your escape. It's time to celebrate the best season of the year like never before. With so many great stories and programs, Audible is the perfect summer partner. And now is the absolute best time to do it because Prime members can save... 53% off your first four months. With Audible, you can listen to more of whatever you're into because Audible has it all. An unbeatable selection of audiobooks, tons of binge-worthy podcasts, and exclusive originals, all available to download or stream. Here's what you get. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month, like the latest bestseller or hottest new release, yours to keep forever. But here's the best part. You also get full access to Audible's streaming library, the Plus Catalog. Discover your next podcast obsession, check that audiobook off your bucket list, or get lost in a world of original content from celebrity creators, best-selling authors, and leading experts. The kind of stuff you can't hear anywhere else. Stream all you want, as much as you want. Audible is a perfect companion for summer because no matter where you're going or what you're doing, you'll always have just the right thing to listen to at your fingertips. Perfect for road trips, lazy beach days, long bike rides, or just barbecuing in the backyard. Right now, for a limited time, Amazon Prime members can save 53% on four months of Audible. That's only $6.95 a month. If you're not an Amazon Prime member, what are you waiting for? Go to Amazon and sign up so you can get this deal and so much more. Get more out of summer with Audible. To take advantage of this incredible limited time offer, go to audible.com slash wade. That's audible.com slash wade. Wade. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good 
If it's Sunday, it's Wrestling Night in America here on PWTorchDailyCast.com. Good Sunday evening for August 8, 2021. I am Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Greg Parks talking with you about another big week in big events in pro wrestling. We apologize for the late start here, about five minutes late or so, as uh, Skype was being uncooperative with me. Of course, that only applies if you're listening live, if you're listening the next day or the next few days on delay. Uh, it probably is normal to you. So uh, speaking only to the live uh, listeners there, um, for those live listeners, if you do want to participate in the show, 515-605-9345 is the number to call. You can also email us at wnialivecast at gmail.com. I have a couple emails to get through today. I see we've already got some phone calls uh, lined up to get to as well and to help me break down the big shows in pro wrestling and all that comes with it. Uh, I welcome onto the show Javier Machado, pwtorch.com contributor. Uh, Javier, welcome back to Wrestling Night in America. Hey, Greg, it's a pleasure. It's always great to talk to you. I really uh, like your uh, perspective on uh, your, the way you approach analysis and stuff. So always, always a pleasure to talk to you. Excellent. Really appreciate it. That's always a great way to start out uh, Wrestling Night in America by complimenting the host. So I appreciate that, Javier. I, I needed that ego boost after struggling for the first five minutes to get this show set up. So <laughs> that puts me in a little better place than I was a few minutes ago. I appreciate that. <laughs> It, it, it's not like I'm fishing for future invites or anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. No, you, you're on the list, man. You're on the list for uh, for sure for uh, future invites and all that. Um, love uh, talking to you the other night on the, the Dynamite Post Show. Uh, actually, it was about a week and a half ago now. It seems like just yesterday. But um, that was a lot of fun with Wade taking calls on, uh, on a very big episode of Dynamite. Uh, and we'll talk about Dynamite a little later on here, uh, but I do want to start out with uh, the big news of the week. And it came down on Friday. The axe came down on a number of NXT talents uh, who were released, some of the bigger names, including Jake Atlas, uh, Bronson Reed. And there's been a reporting in the 48 hours or so since then by Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, Sean Ross Sapp of uh, Fightful, um, you know, it, that NXT is going to look a lot different, uh, perhaps, going forward. We don't know when exactly that change might happen, whether it's going to be a hard and fast change or, or over time back to a true developmental program where they may not be bringing in as many named indie wrestlers uh, and, and propping up NXT with them, but rather uh, building wrestlers again from scratch, which seemed to be what the initial purpose of this NXT developmental system was. Uh, we also don't know how that's going to translate to the NXT television program, because one would assume um, that if you are starting from scratch with a lot of wrestlers, it would be easier for, for WWE to run NXT like they used to on the network, sort of hidden, very low-key, low low-risk where you could kind of get away with hiding some of those talents and letting them develop in front of uh, a few eyeballs on the network as opposed to uh, getting rights feeds for NXT from USA Network, having it on such a prominent station. Um, so still a lot of unanswered questions, but it does appear that NXT is going to undergo some changes, Javier. And I just want to get your sort of overarching thoughts on the cuts and what it means for the future of NXT. Yeah, when uh, with that reporting that came out, uh, them wanting to skew younger, and uh, I've also heard that they've also want to skew bigger. 
Uh, I, it, it makes mm-hmm. sense, with the exception of Bronson Reed, it makes sense on a lot of the people that the, uh, they released. Um, so, uh, you know, Bobby Fish and uh, Mercedes Martinez, uh, some of those are, are, you know, on the people on the, on the older side. And people you're not going to see, you know, I, I don't think I, I, you would ever have really seen Bobby Fish uh, over on the uh, main roster, some of those wrestlers you wouldn't see, you know, mo- uh, moving on over. Uh, I mean, you want to, you know, if you're going to turn it into a developmental system, you still want some uh, some veterans there to, you know, just, you know, be be like your your mainstays that you that you know <laughs> that will help develop the talent. But I could understand why mm-hmm. some of these cuts happened. It's just that because the fact that some of them were involved in programs. Um, at the time, you know, Bobby Fish, uh, uh, Tyler, although his might have just finished, uh, Tyler Rust and, uh, and, and some of those guys, they, um, you know, that, that, you know, it, it, that derailed the, uh, some of the momentum, some of the stuff, the TV that, some of the TV that they've worked on, um, which, you know, but if they're going to completely scrap the whole thing, I wouldn't be surprised if you basically see a new, uh, a new facelift come, uh, after the um, takeover 36, so I wouldn't be surprised. If takeover 36 after that, it's like a new. They sell it off. They sell it as a new beginning. And you mentioned Tyler Rust, and he was another interesting name because the Diamond Mine had been advertised as a group for so long on TV. They were brought up with a lot of fanfare. They debuted in the main event segment of an episode of NXT TV, um, and. Tyler Rust is, you know, not the main component of Diamond Mine, but he's a part of a small group. And for him to be let go, I think, to me, the surprising thing isn't so much, and this this goes for cuts dating back, you know, last year, even. The the surprising thing isn't the cuts in and of itself. It's the almost haphazard way they've been done, where the the old saying, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing, where, where you're cutting guys who are. Um, in the middle of pushes, in the middle of storylines. And that doesn't come across very well, even to fans, I think, who are sympathetic to what WWE is doing, and there are a lot of them. I, I still think it comes across as a, a little bit, um, you know, that, that someone isn't covering all their bases here when these sort of things can happen. And, you know, the other thing in terms of, what NXT is going to turn into versus how it's going to be able to still draw an audience to the USA Network. You know, there are guys like Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and, and guys like that who um, never say never, but I, I don't see them being cut, even though they don't fit the age requirement, they don't fit uh, the height requirement that it seems WWE is going forward with in recruiting talents. Um, you can see those guys being the ones carrying television, and all the while, in the training ground, working with the coaches at the Performance Center, you could have the next generation being developed. So, you know, I, I think there could almost be two NXTs here going on, what you see on TV with a lot of the same top stars, and then what you see going on behind the scenes where it's almost a changing of the guard, and then trying to eventually plan for the departures of the Garganos and the Champas, whether it's retirement, whether it's main roster, whatever the case may be. And that's where you see the six foot five guys, the 250 pound guys that they want to start recruiting. That's where you start training them. I mean, and I'm also concerned about the recruiting thing is uh, some of the people that have been like, who, who are either left or have been let go have been some of their, uh, you know, some, you know, like uh, I'm speaking particularly of um, 
uh, um, Mark Henry, you know, that, that had an eye for the bigger guys and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that they still have at least somebody who can, you know, really see talent. But, you know, it, it's always concerning where, you know, now they're going to move into like nothing but big guys. That's, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll see how, what happens. And yeah, I mean, what does this mean? Uh, and, and the other question is like, you know, what, what, is, what would USA think? Are they going to be, um, uh, fine with that. I mean, if it means that we don't get more of these uh, protect everybody on the show uh, kind of stuffs with uh, distraction finishes or or uh, interference finishes and stuff like that, uh, you know, and, and actually create a hierarchy of wrestlers where you do have those guys on top and then, you know, mm-hmm. see the guys on their journey to, to – that it could be a good thing because that was basically what, uh, what it used to be. But, uh, you know, there's also, like you said, the, uh, you know, what, what does this mean for TV? And this dovetails into our first email question of the day, and it's from Jack A. from Swansea, Wales. He says, hey, Greg, hope you're doing well. Wanted to talk this week about Adam Cole. Let's say Cole signs on with WWE. It looks like the main roster is desperate to have him. Ignoring all the speculation and the likely suggestion of a move to AEW, what do you think is the right way to book Cole on the main roster? For me, I think he's got to be a babyface. The fans love him. He's such a good worker. I start off with him having a lengthy IC run on the babyface champion who takes on everyone, TV, pay-per-view, open challenges, with him having stellar matches, before eventually ascending to the main event to challenge a Roman Reigns or Lashley. My second option would be for him to come up alongside Finn Balor to help against the bloodline. I don't follow the Bullet Club in Japan, but I think the way AEW have got the elite and that demographic glued to their shows, having Balor and Cole eventually further down the line a face AJ Styles would be a really wise move. Lastly, without trying to get all negative, I feel furious for Triple H. The man has spent all these years bringing people into NXT, fleshing out characters, only to have Vince continually ruin his wrestlers, and now seeing the latest reports being told he has to change his booking philosophy to bring through more big guys. I suppose we're very lucky it's only now being mentioned. Imagine this had happened years ago, and we never got Gargano, Cole, Ciampa come through NXT. I can't imagine how Triple H and Shawn Michaels feel. Surely without completely upsetting the apple cart, Hunter has to speak up to Vince and really speak his mind because the way it's going, Triple H will just be an ambassador for the company while Nick Khan continues to release any random wrestler he chooses. What do you think? Am I being too negative? I think I'm just more annoyed when you see most of the wrestlers have a very good working relationship with Triple H compared to the main roster. Um, And that's that's the end of Jack's email here. Um, Let's work backward from here because... It's interesting following social media, and of course the reporting out there is that Triple H did not have a hand in these releases, that they were made by, among others, Vince McMahon, Kevin Dunn, uh, John Laurinaitis, Bruce Pritchard, um, and Triple H didn't get a say. So there are simultaneously on social media people dunking on Triple H um, that he's failed so so much that Vince is basically taking his baby from him. And there's also people who, like Jack, feel very sorry for Triple H that you know he made NXT into something, an arm of the WWE that a lot of fans could be proud of, and now it appears it's going to be ter- they're turned into more WWE light than it even had been. So um, where do you fall, Javier, on the uh, feel-bad-for-Triple-H situation? Are you, are you shedding any tears uh, for him, or are you playing the tiniest violin in the world for him? Uh, somewhere in the middle. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, cause, you know I, but I, I do I – do, he's – I understand he's got to be aggravated because, I mean, that's the story. That's been the story of NXT, you know, because when you put yourself in the shoes of the main roster, 
uh, NXT doesn't matter. It, 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 its purpose is to feed the beast that is the WWE. It, and what, you know, so, and we've seen that constantly. Uh, one of probably the best stories the WWE have done in years, which was the Gargano Champa storyline, all of a sudden has to skip a few steps because, you know, that one Christmas they needed some talent to, to be used and they brought him up to, to the main roster as a tag team, uh, you know, before, you know, which I thought was going to happen at the point, but, but it, it, it skipped a few steps and wreck the story that they had. Um, more recently, uh, Karrion Cross being, you know, losing to uh, the undefeated NXT champion, losing to Jeff Hardy in two minutes uh, uh, on a show. And, and, you know, so it's, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, if for you to really enjoy NXT, you kind of have to ignore what's going to happen to future characters. My, my, my brother says that I can't get into NXT anymore. Because I can't get invested in, in, you know, into these wrestlers knowing that when they go to the main roster, you're going to end up with a Keith Lee situation or a uh, Dijak situation or, you know, uh, where they're members of Retribution and, and just, you know, essentially, you know, ruined for the most part. So, I mean, it, you know, and, and I understand that. So it's, it's always been a push and pull, uh, you know, and he's, he's married into that. So Triple H has. So... <laughs> Um, you know, and, and I know he's proud of, you know, the, the thing that, that they created despite all the, the, uh, the upsetting of the uh, apple cart that comes from, you know, forces outside of his control. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I do feel bad, but like, you know, also it's, it's triple H it's, yeah, I, I, I've known his history, so it's not always, <laughs> you know, with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling? Then join the New Japan Pride podcast starring... Bethany Rubel. And Javier Machado. With an eye for the action. And an eye for the story. We'll keep you abreast of all New Japan shows both in Japan... And also covering their American expansion with New Japan Strong. And I'll watch all the Yano matches so Bethany doesn't have to. And I'll watch all of the Ibushi matches. Wait a minute. I didn't script that. <laughs> Listen to our weekly podcast exclusively with the PW Torch VIP membership. Become a member at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Hey. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I think to me that's that's what makes it most hard to feel bad for Triple H is, you know, he's he's sort of turned over a new leaf as uh, NXT daddy um, to a lot of fans who, who despised him for so long in the early to mid-2000s. Um, and then when situations like this happen, you think back to that Triple H and you're like, well, I remember that Triple H still exists somewhere inside of him. So it's not, uh, I don't feel too sorry for him. And, you know, there's been things he's, he said, you know, uh, the, the how's your territory doing comment that he's made on, uh, on, I think it was a, a call, um, uh, you know, uh, an NXT call. And then, you know, the, the pissant company comment about AEW where, you know, it's hard to feel sorry for a guy who's taking shots like that. Um, but, you know, also I acknowledge that NXT for several years now, uh, more than half a decade, has been, to me, the most entertaining part of WWE. And so, you know, uh, there's just so much in play here because, you know, what's the impetus for this, right? Well, what is it? Is it NXT ratings falling flat on Tuesdays? Is it NXT failing to stop the momentum of AEW on Wednesday nights? Is that what has, even though Vince says AEW is not competition, Nick Khan says AEW is not competition, um, you know, putting NXT on USA's on Wednesday nights was, was not exactly a subtle shot at AEW. Um, so is that punishment? Is this punishment of Triple H for, for that? You know, it's, is it, you know, a Band-Aid that's being used to mask main roster creative failures? I don't know. There's, there's just so much in play here. It could be any number of things, or it could be all of them, as far as the reasoning for why WWE is doing this, why Vince McMahon is making the decision, and why he's making the decision now. Well, it's... It, the thing about NXT, from Vince, I think I believe from Vince McMahon's point of view, is that it's currently not really serving him, serving him any purpose. Uh, he uses the Shield against AEW; didn't work there. Uh, you, you know, he looks at the people he has, you know, brought up, and they've all been, or you know, the majority of them have been failures. Uh, and you know, of course, it had, or it doesn't look, you know, doesn't look inwardly and see that might be the booking that that they did in the main roster, but. You know, so because I mean, we could just talk about everything wrong with the main roster for like an hour, uh, but you know, it, it's not serving him a purpose. So I think he wants to remold it and these rumors of you know changing everything to to for something for it to serve a purpose. And uh, you know, I understand to a certain point of view, but you know, like the fact of you know the fans like it or what you know whether the fans like it or not, I think that's you know uh, inconsequential. It's more right now to. To, to, you know, basically serve, you know, serve a purpose and maybe, you know, rub Vince, uh, uh, sorry, Triple H's, uh, you know, 
uh, nose in the dirt a little bit, you know, uh, for not being able to stop AEW. And, oh, by the way, we've got a takeover two weeks from tonight and only two matches announced yep. so far. Walter versus Ilya Dragunov for the NXT UK title and Karrion Cross versus Samoa Joe for the NXT title. Probably don't want to get out ahead of things too far because who knows who could be cut in the meantime. So you don't want to, if you're NXT, you don't want to advertise a match too far ahead of time with the risk that somebody may be released. Um, so that's, uh, that, that we'll preview in full next week along with our SummerSlam preview. Um, in two weeks, uh, programming note before we get to our phone calls, I will be along Saturday night, August 21st, with our SummerSlam post-show Wrestling Night in America. So Saturday night after SummerSlam, August 21st, I'll be taking your phone calls and emails on that show. Then the next night, it's our usual night, Sunday night, NXT TakeOver 36. It's a reversal from how they usually do things. The PWT Talks NXT crew, uh, Tom Stout, Nate Lindbergh, Kelly Wells will be along, as they usually do on TakeOver nights. They will have Wrestling Night in America post-show after TakeOver 36 on Sunday night. So Wrestling Night in America with me, Saturday night after SummerSlam, and Wrestling Night in America with Kelly, Nate, and Tom Sunday night after TakeOver. So uh, that's the plan two weeks from tonight. And next Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, we'll be along with our SummerSlam and TakeOver 36 preview. Now, let's get to the phones. First call of the evening is the 814 area code. is Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland. Ryan, welcome back to Wrestling Night in America. What's your first question for us tonight? My uh, first question was, do you think there was ever any plans to bring Bobby Eaton into WWE? I know uh, Eugene said that was his favorite wrestler, and... Also, the other time, maybe it went, made it made sense was when Joan Cornette had the NWA brought in. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've ever heard anything. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Eaton was still in WCW at the time that, that Cornette brought in the NWA late 90s era with, uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett and Barry Windham and those sort of guys. So I'm not sure if he would have even been available. Um, you know, he's not exactly WWE's kind of guy, the kind of guy they looked for. In that era when he was still active, you know, sort of the the very plain white meat uh, babyface character, um, although he did show his range a little bit in the Blue Bloods with Steven Regal in WCW. So, uh, yeah, Javier, uh, with the passing of Bobby Eaton, I would really be surprised if uh, there were any real plans to bring him in uh, in the 90s era, um, you know, after after his heyday as a tag team. Yeah, um, unless they wanted to do, you know, uh, just slap a, one of their gimmicks on him uh, that they did to pretty much every, everybody. Uh, I, I don't yeah. think that, uh, you know, and, and, and it, it's it's also, he, he you're definitely, you're right, he's definitely not the style of uh, the WWE, so they would basically essentially bring him in to make fun of him would be my guess. Yeah. All right, Ryan, your second question for us tonight. Yeah. Second question. I went to a show last night where three wrestlers retired and actually put their boots down during a six-man tag. Uh, has that ever happened before, a six-man tag team match before? <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing happening. You know, the the boots in the ring is uh, something that Cody Rhodes teased uh, a few weeks ago on AEW before he was attacked by uh, Malachi Black uh, this past week, actually. Uh, I don't know. All the days are starting to run together um and so you know that's been known to be the thing that the signal when a wrestler is retiring they'll leave their boots in the ring but uh that's that's unique I, i've never heard javier of three wrestlers doing it in one match yeah no 
<laughs> I mean, it, it's funny because, like, uh, I, I was reading about this in an article where somebody said that, you know, that, that it's a tradition. And really think about, like, how often does that really happen? I mean, we saw Undertaker leave some stuff in the ring, but, uh, you know, I, I, I personally cannot really remember any wrestler retiring and leaving anything in the ring. I have maybe The Undertaker being the most uh, uh, high-profile one. And, you know, and he, he ended up coming back, like, three or four times after that. But, you know... Supposedly, that was supposed to be his, his, his going away. I was going to say, so few wrestlers actually retire that, you yeah. know, there's really, even retirement matches aren't retirement matches. So there's, there's rarely that seminal moment when someone is it's their real last match. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's, it's almost like wrestling lore more than it is actual wrestling thing that happened and it's weird because it's kind of taken on a life of its own and, and it's actually become something that wrestlers do although now it's just being used as much as a storyline as anything else uh ryan your third question for us tonight okay uh, three questions on uh beer who uh, works for wb is there a reason why they haven't mentioned that he's been featured in the disney movie called million dollar arm because i think that would help get him over a little bit if they would uh do that well, first thing is he's a heel, and I think that would tend to get him over as a babyface, being in a movie like that. Uh, WWE has been weird about what outside um, endeavors they will plug for talent and what they will sort of ignore. So I, I, it's hard to read into what they favor and what they don't. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, he's – he's kind of a different character. Like if he was, as I said, if he was a baby face, if he was somebody who, um, you know, was, was more of that person then then I think there's value in that. But with him being a heel, uh, kowtowing to Jinder Mahal, I don't really see the point in it necessarily and pointing out that, Hey, this guy was, uh, the basis of a Disney movie. <laughs> uh, Javier, I mean, is that, is that something they could use? Do you think if he does turn baby face eventually on, on Mahal? Uh, they won't because it's uh, unless the movie was produced by WWE, uh, they won't uh, promote you know outside. I mean, look, they've never promoted um, Sasha Banks being in The Mandalorian. Uh, that was an outside thing that she did. The only reason you will see stuff like uh, Suicide Squad and uh, uh, Batista and uh, and The Rock being pushed is just because they're they're bigger than life stars and the fact that these. Guys, you know, are movie stars coming to WWE raises the WWE uh, uh, image. Uh, you know, Veer, you know, being in a Disney movie, you know, it, it doesn't really do anything for the WWE. It, it would make, you know, it, it would raise the wrestlers, um, you know, standing a bit, but uh, they're not, they don't, they don't like you getting over on your own, you know, on your own things, basically. So if it were a WWE movie, sure, they'll push it, but not if it's a movie that he, that WWE had no involvement in, uh, in the casting of. Yeah. All right, Ryan, thank you for the phone call tonight. Thanks for leading us off here on Wrestling Night in America. Yeah, thanks for taking the call. Absolutely. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Apple Podcasts compatibility new with PW Torch VIP Podcasts in 2021. If you're an iPhone user and you want a simple way to access our full VIP Podcast library as new podcasts come out every day, we have good news. New in 2021, single-click compatibility with Apple Podcasts native app on iPhone, CarPlay, your iMac, or your MacBook Pro laptop. Now, as soon as you sign up and become a VIP member, there's a single-click link in your sign-up email that will launch PW Torch's VIP podcast in Apple Podcasts. No username, no password to enter. It's as simple as it gets. Go VIP, find out more information on all the benefits that come with the VIP membership at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. And now we not only accept payments through PayPal, but also a direct credit card or debit card sign-up, and also through Patreon. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, 515-605-9345 is the number to call if you'd like to uh, chat with us here. Uh, I want to get to uh, another email question here. This is um, from Roy from California, and somehow uh, this particular email from Roy, and and we've gotten questions from Roy from California for quite some time here on Wrestling Night in America, but somehow this one ended up in the the spam folder, so I missed this one. So I apologize to Roy. Um, I did get his question for this week, but I wanted to go back in time a little bit to when he sent this one. I I think it's still a little bit relevant that we can discuss, Javier. So he says, uh, hello, Greg. Welcome back from vacation. I had some thoughts on Raw and WWE's ways I'd like to share, as well as hear your thoughts. Regarding this past Raw, I feel the one thing they've done right is booking Lashley. really think WWE has done well having two dominant heel champs in Reigns and Lashley. While I'm not thrilled he's facing Goldberg, I'm happy he's having a somewhat big match on another big four pay-per-view. You think of his booking ranging from the butt-slapping, the sisters, and Lana to now. Brings me to Karrion Cross, who lost his debut match only to defeat Keith Lee, who too lost his return match as well as this match. 
I feel WWE since Brock left in 2004, and I believe in 2008 or so when MVP had his losing streak for having heat, WWE likes to test talent to see how they'll handle it. If they can, they usually get some push later. If not, then down the card they fall. Obviously, financials in the WWE name itself, but why do you think wrestlers desire to make it knowing this is the stuff that occurs? You can be 20 years in this business, but if it isn't WWE, you have to pay your dues. My other thing is regarding Charlotte versus Nikki this past Raw. I like Charlotte, but thought she had a Triple H moment. Do you think Charlotte has enough pull where if she wanted to put Nikki over, she could? Also, do you think there's a less selfless wrestler nowadays? I thought what people like Rock and Jericho, um, what made Rock and Jericho great was they were secure in their spot and willing to put folks over. I see this more with Orton now, too. Really felt felt bad for Nikki even post-match. They gave her manure, and she turned it into chicken salad, only to be treated like that. Felt she deserved better. Interested in your thoughts. Um, Let's start with the the first thing. First of all, I, I agree Lashley and Reigns have been booked very well to the point that WD, I think it exposes how poorly WWE has built babyfaces because there really are no babyfaces to oppose them right now. Uh, you can't even say there's really any babyfaces in the pipeline being built up, maybe Big E over on SmackDown, but the, it doesn't even feel like they're building anyone for that big moment to beat Reigns or Lashley. I mean, it feels like the inevitable is The Rock against Roman Reigns, and he's not, he's not exactly a full-time wrestler. Uh, so um, I do like that, that Lashley and Reigns have been so dominant. They've been booked well. They're really the highlight of Raw and SmackDown each and every week, but I think to go with that, it does expose how, how um, poorly WWE has booked babyfaces. As for the question where I get to there, why do wrestlers still desire to be in WWE even though they, the, the booking is so shoddy? I think it's a couple things. First of all, it's still where the money is. You, know, you still get paid uh, pretty good money for being in WWE. And the second thing is, you know, for a lot of these wrestlers coming up right now, you know, they... Uh, grew up with WWE being the only game in town. You know, we're 20 years removed now from WCW uh, really giving any sort of challenge to, to WWE. And TNA was never really, um, it, it was a fly to be swatted away by WWE as opposed to a serious threat like WCW was. So you're entering an era now where a lot of the wrestlers coming up, WWE was the only game in town. They are professional wrestling. They are sports entertainment. So there's a lot of prestige still um, if you're a young wrestler, to be a part of WWE, to be to say that you made it to the top in the biggest wrestling company in the world, and some people just want that on their resume. Some people, you know, they're okay if they get released because you know they made it to WWE. That was validation for them, and now they can call, kind of go on and spread their wings and, and be creatively fulfilled in, in AEW or elsewhere. So, I think those are two of the main reasons um, fans or, or wrestlers that rather. Uh, still desire to be a part of WWE. Uh, did I miss any other reasons there, Javier? Well, and it's an institution. It's been around forever. So it's, yeah. it's you know, it, it, it as much as they, you know, created it as a brand, because that it's, uh, it ended up becoming, you know, the brand is the number one important thing. Uh, it, even putting aside that, the push that he did for that, it, it is still the WWE. So, I mean, it, it's the one that survived. Uh, it's the one that's still here. And if you ask, you're, you're more likely to get a general person, you know, saying, hey, you know, or w, I mean, hell, there's some people who still call it WWF, if you think about yeah. it, you know, so it, it's, it just became 
so ingrained in the youth of many of us that that that's that's why where, where that draw comes from for a lot of these wrestlers. And to Roy's second point, the Charlotte Nikki stuff, uh, I caution too many people to read too much into one week of storylines because you know WWE is famous for their fifty fifty booking. If somebody gets squashed one week. I wouldn't get too up in arms about it because they could be the ones doing the squashing the next week. Uh, Nikki Cross is a, is a unique case, though. You know, uh, WWE they have a tendency to build baby faces in the Daniel Bryan mold, where they feel that if they beat a wrestler over and over again, it will create a groundswell for that wrestler, and especially for a character like Nikki Cross and Nikki Ash, where. You know, the character is almost you know, its the plucky underdog. So, of course, you've got to beat her often um, so that she can rise up out of that so that the fans can get behind her. Uh, so, you know, Nikki Cross as a character was not doing anything before Nikki A.S.H. came across, and, and she is the women's champion. So it's not like she's a jobber right now. So, um, you know, does Charlotte have enough pull to, to job to Nikki if, if she requested it? Maybe I don't know. It depends on on which direction the storyline is going, and, and who WWE and Vince McMahon want the title to end up on uh, at the end of the storyline. But uh, what's been your take? We've got SummerSlam coming up with a triple threat with uh, Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash, and uh, Charlotte Flair. I believe I'm reading that correctly uh, as uh, as a SummerSlam match. Yep. So. What's your thoughts on how they booked Nikki since she won the Raw Women's Championship? And, you know, there was some thought that maybe they'd get away from Charlotte and Rhea and, and take another direction once she won the title. But here we are back with, with the Charlotte and Rhea show uh, as part of that Raw Women's title match at SummerSlam. Yeah, uh, rule of thumb with the WWE being basically based on 50-50 booking, the idea behind it is every wrestler is just as good as any wrestler, and it's a 50-50 shot if, whenever they get into the ring together. If you have a wrestler that's constantly losing and losing bad, and, and they continue putting them on TV over and over again, and they're constantly getting beat up, they're pushing that wrestler. That's, that's, that's actually a push for that wrestler. Nikki Cross getting destroyed by Charlotte is a push for her. When Lana was around, all the times she got put through the table, that was a push because the idea is to get sympathy on the character, uh, you know, made them seem like a sad sack so you feel bad for them so that if they finally win, you cheer, or if they're finally defeated by the bad guy, you hate the bad guy even more. I don't think that's, you know, they do it so much that I don't think that psychology works. That's something you do once in a while, and it's not like every single character. That's what they're doing with Nikki Cross. Um, and the thing is, at the end of the day, uh, you know, she's she's a, a lucky champion, so... As far as what they're going to do, I figured that Becky Lynch was going to show up at some point. Uh, I don't know what they're planning. Maybe they're pushing off her appearance until later for when they need another boost or what have you. Um, It's probably my least favorite. I mean, Nikki has made it somewhat entertaining, but overall it's been my least favorite story plus – when you, you know, Rhea Ripley doesn't come across exactly, you know, it's supposed to be the baby face and, and they pretty much underline that she's the baby face. But when she gets involved and is like, you know, not really, uh, you know, like not paying attention to Nikki and, and having Nikki, you know, appear that she's beneath her, it doesn't make Rhea Ripley look good either. So, yeah, I've not been a fan of the direction of the Raw Women's uh, booking for, for a while now. Uh, a little bit more entertaining because Nikki and uh, her 
I really liked that match that was uh, this Raw where, uh, you know, she looked, you know, really focused, really intense. And I think people had been booing Nikki, but then by the end of the match, they were saying this is awesome or, or, or chanting, you know, and, and they turned that crowd during that match. And I, I think that was an emotional moment for her where, you know, when they, the camera zoomed in on it, that she, you know, we're going to make this match good. And it became good. So I don't know where, as far as words going, man, I, that is uh, a question mark. <laughs> I, I really can't read the tea leaves on that one. Yeah, uh, I, I I feel the same way. Um, but I do agree with your larger point being that somewhere Becky Lynch is coming back. And, and it almost feels like they thought she was going to come back sooner. And they, they're kind of stretching things out, waiting for her either to make a decision or, or something like that. It almost feels like the booking is ready for her to come back and be inserted back into the situation. And it feels like they're just stretching it out longer in, in preparation for that. Uh, mentioned Nikki A.S.H. versus Rhea versus Charlotte for the Raw Women's title at SummerSlam. The rest of the card as it stands right now, Roman Reigns against John Cena for the Universal Championship. Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg for the WWE title. The Usos versus Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Uh, Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Championship and Edge versus Seth Rollins in a lowly singles match. Uh, Javier, it was said that internally WWE wanted SummerSlam to be like a second WrestleMania this year. Uh, 40,000 fans in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for this one. Uh, Does the lineup so far as it stands about two weeks out does this feel big enough for it to be referred to kind of as a second WrestleMania or another shot at WrestleMania this year for WWE, or do you think there's there's still something lacking in the card? Um, I, I think it's fine. I mean, I, I, it, it, second WrestleMania being the the operative word here because that gives me a lot of leeway. <laughs> <laughs> as in not as much as the first. Um, I mean, it, it, it kind of feels like uh, how SummerSlam feels to me anyway. It's their second biggest pay-per-view. It's, it, I, I've always considered the WrestleMania of the summer. You know, you have a lot of big stories, you know, coming into a, uh, coming to a head during during the show. Uh, this time they do have a little bit more, you know, star power with uh, Cena and Goldberg. Uh, the, the, the only reason I would hesitate is because it's Goldberg. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we've we've definitely fallen for, and it used to be the Undertaker that you would call in, break glass in case of emergency. Now it's Goldberg. So, and I think that's mm-hmm. a step down from what Undertaker was. So, but you know, I, I, me personally, I'm not like, yeah, man, it's just like WrestleMania. But we also still have time, and uh, you know, to, to, for more stuff to develop and 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 build up some of these matches because the you know the the, the Cena, you know, Cena and um, uh, Rain still haven't had their, their face-to-face uh, promo stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, we really haven't gotten, you know, you know, a lot of these, we haven't really gotten to the point that sets you up to really, you know, get you hot for, for uh, SummerSlam. None of these stories have really gotten to that point yet. So, mm-hmm. you know. But, I mean, the pieces are there. We'll see if they all, you know, most of the stuff is going to be tied up within a week or two of the event anyway. So the piece, I think the pieces are there. Um, we'll, we'll see. I don't think it's going to be, like, on the love of WrestleMania, but, yeah, the WrestleMania of the summer. You know, the the Goldberg return is sort of a consolation prize, I think, for a lot of people who wanted Brock Lesnar in that spot. And not that a lot of people are, are clamoring for another Brock Lesnar return, but – 
having him face Bobby Lashley would be just such a different look. And I know it's a, a match that Lashley has been angling for for a long time. And so I, I think Lashley versus Lesnar is a more compelling match to me than Lashley versus Goldberg. Now, whether Lashley versus Lesnar was ever on the table, whether any offer was made to Lesnar to come in, I don't know. Um, but that does feel sort of like a consolation prize, uh, having Goldberg come in instead of Lesnar to take on, on Bobby Lashley. Um, well, let's, that uh, one match is, yeah, go ahead. Well, that one match, though, with, with Lesnar and Lashley, I, I, I think you would rather see that at, at the actual WrestleMania, which if, you know, so if they had the option of Goldberg, because, uh, I mean, also keep in mind that Goldberg also has still dates left on the last contract that he, he, he signed, so maybe they just want to, you know, get through those dates. Um, you know, so I, I would think that 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 um, uh, Lesnar would be something you want to see at you know WrestleMania, which is why this would be the second WrestleMania because you would not really necessarily want to blow it at uh, at SummerSlam and yeah. so, you know, and that be his opponent down, down the road. Because I mean, think about it. You know, whoever uh, Reigns' his opponent's going to be, whether it might be The Rock, uh, and then you know the other your other main event is is Lashley and Lesnar. I mean, that that would be a crazy shot. And, you know, with Lesnar reportedly not being under contract, you have to also wonder, is Lashley a big enough match for Brock Lesnar to want to come back and to train and to, to do that? So, um, you know, is, is it a big enough match for WWE to throw the amount of money that Lesnar would need to come in? Is it a big enough match for Lesnar to want to get off his farm and to train and, and come in? So that's the, the other side of the coin that you have to look at as well. We're now on Patreon. By popular demand, you can now support us directly through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We have three tiers, including an entry-level tier one that takes the ads and plugs away. You can have the VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast. That's 14 podcasts per week, but with the ads and plugs edited out, plus you get the VIP after shows. Don't be left out anymore from those for just $4.99 at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We also have a second tier and a third tier where you can upgrade to get other VIP content, including other VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletter, the current ones and 20 years ago version. So go check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. Um, to the 410 area code we go. It is Reverend Keith from Baltimore, Maryland. Reverend Keith, welcome to Wrestling Night in America this week. Thank you so much, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure. I wanted to chime in on a few things. First, I wanted to discuss the uh, NXT releases. Um, I truly believe that uh, many of the reports that I've been reading from various uh, uh, sources, Fightful Select, uh, Wrestling Inc., just to name a few, um, that in 2019, okay, long before there ever was a coronavirus pandemic, WWE was hoarding talent uh, for numerous reasons. Number one, it was reported that, you know, they, they were going to open up a variety of performance centers, uh, like subsidiary locations. Uh, I remember there was one in India. It was, I think they were even thinking of uh, opening up another one in another country and maybe another one here or expanding the one in Orlando. Uh, secondly, they were hoarding talent from AEW. Okay. This is somewhat of a situation where your chicken's coming home to roost, so to speak. 
Um, but with the pandemic, a lot of the plans that they had in place as far as opening up those other performance centers, unfortunately went down the drain because of all the shutdowns and the travel restrictions and the whole nine. So it's kind of like a catch-22. You know, they were trying to keep people away from AEW. They, 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 they had plans or envision expanding. So I can understand from the expansion standpoint the fact that they may have had to cut back, especially when it comes to the people that you you had never seen on TV, like the the men and women who were just training at the performance center were not involved in the storyline. I can understand releasing them. However, when it comes down to releasing your Bronson Reeds, uh your Tyler Russ, um and even to a certain extent, Mercedes Martinez, um, two of the first three names I just mentioned were in current storylines. One was a recent champion. Um, Mercedes Martinez had been in two storylines, you know, one involving uh, Team Shaw and the other she was in a title match uh, a few months ago uh, with uh, – Raquel Gonzalez. So I can't understand them releasing the talent that were currently involved in storylines, but I can understand them releasing the ones who had yet to make it to TV, who were just, you know, training. So what are your thoughts on the fact that, um, and I know you chimed in on this at the earlier portion of the show, but but what are your thoughts on on my um, synopsis of this scenario? Yeah, I think it's it's overall you've got some merit there with what you were talking about in terms of WWE hoarding talent to keep them away from AEW and also to open uh, branches in other countries. Like you said, the, the COVID pandemic sort of stopped that in its tracks. But I also don't think we want to overlook the power that Nick Khan has. And, you know, Nick Khan could be coming in with just a different philosophy. And he may have convinced Vince McMahon that this is the correct philosophy, that hey, you know, we don't need to open these branches in other countries. Let's shutter those plans. Let's cut some talent. Let's not hoard anymore. I don't think it's a coincidence that those moves are being made at the same time he is reportedly gathering a lot of power in terms of being a key executive that Vince McMahon listens to. Uh, so it could be just, you know, philosophically, obviously, philosophically, there is a change happening in NXT. But what is the impetus for it? Is it um, you know, uh, the, the not going forward with these satellite NXTs, is it Nick Khan's presence and influence? Is it just, you know, not caring if wrestlers go to AEW? And Vince McMahon basically um, said the, the quiet part loud uh, on the recent conference call for the, the quarterly report where he said, maybe we'll give them some more talent. And that's exactly what he's doing. So um, I think all of them have merit. I, I just don't know, Javier, if one or which one is the, the dominant theory or the dominant philosophy that is leading to these cuts. Yeah. And, or, or, or some sort of uh, combination of all of them. Uh, Cause you know, there was um, a part of Nick uh, comes my understanding uh, changes the, the whole demise of the uh, WWE network here, in, uh, you know, at least here in the States and, you know, going on to the Peacock. Uh, so a lot of the stuff that they had been, you know, the, you know, a lot of the, uh, uh the, the, whoever the previous people were, forgot the name, uh, you know, that, that they basically turned a lot of their policies around and this is just going to be just the next step, the continuation, uh, of, of that. And yeah, I mean, because I, I remember that right after WrestleMania used to be the, 
the cut day where you get like a list of, you know, 10 to 20 wrestlers that would be released uh, and other personnel that would be released. And then for like a good couple of years, that wasn't happening. And then, uh, and it had actually not happened until the, uh, the controversial, you know, right, right as soon as the pandemic started, the, that, that group that they let go right as it started. Uh, and now you have, you know, this, what, what, what seems this year has been like a bloodletting of all the, you know, a lot of these people were prop people that I thought that would, would have been released. You know, a lot of these wrestlers were people like, you know, like Fandango and, uh, you know, uh, you know, people that you would probably expect to have been released like, you know, three, four years ago. And they just kept mm-hmm. them for whatever reason that, that have been released recently. Yeah. Uh, Reverend Keith, follow up in your next question for us. Okay, next I want to discuss the uh, potential SummerSlam card. I know that they've only truly announced maybe, what, five matches now. Uh, I really believe that Edge and Seth Rollins is going to be a show stealer. I I really think um, that these two have a lot in common, and I think they'll have good chemistry together in the ring. And, um, you know, it's always Seth Rollins brings it when it comes to your big four pay-per-views. So it'll be good to see those two go at it. Uh, um, what are your thoughts on a potential Damian Priest-Sheamus uh, title match at SummerSlam? Yeah, I'd be all for that. Uh, I don't know if that would be main card or, um, you know, sort of the, the pre-show. preview show match. Yeah, uh, I, I think – I. You know, a little disappointed, I think, where Damian Priest is right now compared to where I think a lot of us thought he could be after WrestleMania. They put him in a, a very prominent position alongside Bad Bunny, uh, and, and we know you know, Bad Bunny got a lot of press, got a lot of praise for the work he did at WrestleMania, and Damian Priest was put with him, hopefully to give him some of that rub. And the thought was, you know, WWE by putting Priest with Bad Bunny, had big plans for him. And so far, they haven't come to fruition. And, and when I talk about how WWE has not built up any baby faces or has not even felt like they're in the process of building up baby faces to combat Lashley or Roman Reigns one day, Damian Priest is a really good example of a guy who, since WrestleMania, they could have been slowly building him up the card as a babyface, you know, eventually maybe even beating Sheamus here at, at SummerSlam um, for the, uh, the U.S. title, and then continuing to work his way up the card before eventually at some point he knocks off Bobby Lashley. But he's been such a background player and, and um, you know, continuing after WrestleMania with the hijinks with Miz and John Morrison, that's not a position where people are going to take you seriously. So, you know, Javier, when we talk about baby faces that WWE hasn't built up, Damian Priest is one of those guys where it just feels like they've dropped the ball on him since WrestleMania. A lot of people have had that opinion, but I, with Damian Priest particularly, I see it differently because he hasn't outright gone out and been damaged. Uh, he's not doing 50-50. I mean, when he, when he wrestles, he's been winning. Uh, part of, I think part of the problem also is because I heard reportedly that uh, he was dealing with some injuries uh, after that WrestleMania match. Uh, nothing that was going to take him out for a long time. So, you know, so that kind of, you know, that, that's because he missed a, a couple of shows, uh, a couple of TV where you would be like wondering, well, you know, he just did this thing with Bad Bunny. Now is the time to, to strike while the iron's hot, so to speak. But uh, I think that kind of derailed things a little bit. I was I was expecting him to be uh, the next challenger for um, for the um, is it U.S. or IC. I keep forgetting which one who has who. It's U.S. right? Um, U.S. Yeah. U.S. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah so I, I'm I'm expect you know I was expecting that to happen. I th- I think some of you know I 
he he feels someone like they put on the back burner while they get other other pieces in place. And he has been showing up. He hasn't looked like a goof. Uh, he they've been putting him in moments with other people who are over on the show. So they they you know which is frustrating because they, it 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 tells you that they know how to protect people. And he feels like someone who's been protected. And while he's not where like we would hope to see him in like a big you know a big uh, spotlight match. Uh, the fact that, you know, that they're keeping him, you know, not weak makes me think that, you know, they are preparing. And I think we're going to see him, you know, eventually win the uh, IC title, go on a bit of the run, and then basically have the uh, the Lashley thing Well, he'll lose it and then challenge for the to, for the big belt. So that, that's the way I see his, his trajectory. But the fact they haven't, like, outright damaged him, and, yeah, he's, he's dealing with, you know, the, the – the, the joke squad with Miz and Morrison, but he's he's getting over on them. They're not getting over on him, which is you know would be when I would be more concerned. I think that's a really good point and a caveat that that we need to make maybe more often when we talk about these guys is that you know sometimes we don't know what goes on behind the scenes in terms of attitude, in terms of uh, injuries. Not saying that Damian Priest has a bad attitude, but. Um, you know, we we know of a lot of the injuries they're they're reported upon, but there are some that that are not, and so it could be a situation where, you know, there were some things behind the scenes that did not allow him to be on TV as much as WWE had planned, or caused WWE to change plans uh, with Damian Priest after WrestleMania. So always have to keep that in mind as well. Reverend Keith, back to you for your final question for us tonight. Okay, I just want to say that. Um... I think it's pretty petty of WWE to try to trademark Chelsea Green's name, but hopefully they'll drop that because that makes no sense whatsoever. I just think they're going too far with this, and I do hope and pray that those releases from not just uh, two nights ago, but earlier this year as well as last year, I hope they pick up work elsewhere. Uh, There are plenty of promotions out there from Ring of Honor, Impact, and then the independent promotions are really booming now uh, since they're back um, touring and everything and having shows on a monster month. I don't know if you guys follow IWTV, but there's so many independent promotions that have stars down there. And, they, you know, a lot of these guys that wrestle, for example, for um, New Japan Pro Wrestling, they wrestle on the independent scene as well, as well as, like, guys like Moose and Rich Swan. So hopefully some of the um, – uh, men and women who, who lost their jobs this past week as well as earlier this year during the pandemic. Hopefully they'll find work elsewhere. Thank you so much for taking my call, gentlemen, and you have a great week. All right. Thanks so much, Reverend Keith. Um, yeah, the, the Chelsea Green thing is weird. Not only is it her real name that WWE is trying to trademark, but you know, I think she used that previously. So even if it wasn't a real name, she has prior usage, and, and I don't know. Um, I, I don't know a lot about trademark law or anything like that, but it seems weird to me, Javier. It seems weird to me that they're trying to trademark a former wrestler's real name. Yeah, this is the first I heard of that. But uh, I, I mean, do they even know that that's her real name? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it's so. Another one of those, the, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing type deals, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, while we're on the subject, uh, we'll go to Roy from California, his uh, current email that he sent. He says, hello, Greg, hope this email finds you and not the spam folder. It did, Roy, it did. 
Uh, my questions for the week regard NXT as well as the future of the recent releases. First question, do you think uh, NXT college would fare better on main event before going to SmackDown first than Raw? feel Raw is more the established vet show and isn't really designed to showcase new talents. Uh, my second is with this wave of releases from NXT, while not all, but I'd expect most to appear in AEW in some capacity, at what point does AEW run into the problem where they have so much new talent coming in that their day ones get lost in the shuffle? While they have pr- the programming, you look at a guy like Orange Cassidy who is feuding with Jericho and most recently in a world title match, relegated to just another guy. Curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, thanks. And so... Um, yeah, this is um, an interesting question in terms of the steps that NXT call-up should take. And, and Roy says they should be go to main event first, then to SmackDown, and then Raw, perhaps. Um, you know, you, you need new blood on both shows. And I don't know that it's a philosophy that, that Raw is the more established talent show. Certainly, you know, SmackDown has been getting a lot more of the new women lately. Uh, than Raw, but it doesn't have to be that way. There's nothing that says that that Raw has to be that way. So, um, you know, what what do you think about that that thought? You know, I, I think main That's event is too off. Me back to off. HDMI one. I think. Uh, sorry, we, we, I didn't meet Reverend Keith after he was done. Um, <laughs> so. Um, you know, I think main event is far too off the radar to start them there and then have them come to SmackDown and Raw. Um, In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. But is there is there a way that the main roster can be more NXT friendly, that they can not turn into carry and cross their first week? Like, is it as simple as a change in, in philosophy of booking, or is it that NXT needs to be more aligned booking-wise with what Raw and SmackDown are doing and pushing the stars who will be successful on Raw and SmackDown? Like, what, what is there, um, what's, that, what's the solution to that disconnect between uh, NXT and Raw and SmackDown? Well, it depends on where, where you're standing. So if I'm standing on the WWE side of things, then I would say NXT really isn't pre- uh, preparing wrestlers for the main roster because the main roster's philosophy is these characters are they're finished products when they show up they're just the gimmick if you notice there's not much uh on like character development once you get to the main roster and the very little bit that you get like what was going on with the bloodline storyline that's what you know people are most happy with because you're getting you know a change in Jimmy and Jay Uso, and you're getting a change in these characters, and you're seeing them change throughout time. But you know, like when you know Bobby Roode showed up on the main roster, everything was stripped away, and he was just glorious. You know, when uh, you know now now Karen Cross showing up on the uh, on the main roster, everything is stripped away, and he's just you know TikTok and uh, Fallen Bray. That, that that's all he's going to be. 
uh, because you're 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 not going to develop when you're there. So some characters had a hard time. Like Bailey at first had a hard time because her sto- you know, her in NXT was the story of someone growing, you know, throughout her entire you know time there. And then, but that was her story. And then you couldn't just transplant her and put her on on, on Raw and just say, okay, this is the finished product because you, you, they need to create a character for her. So if I'm standing on the on the raw side of things, that that would be my complaint about what NXT is not you know, you know gearing someone to be like the gimmick, which is you know I don't agree with that re- I don't agree with that wrestling philosophy. So if you ask me, change the WWE booking philosophy. But what's more likely to change WWE booking philosophy or what NXT has to provide WWE? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, it, it's not it's not an easy answer. I mean. Well, I mean, it's easy for Vince McMahon because you know that it's going to be NXT is going to have to either be the one to change and right. and more more you know service the whims of the main roster than than you know change the booking philosophy of the main roster. Because yeah, if I mean if I were the one booking WWE, you know, I would just have the first hour of Raw be the younger talent coming from uh, from uh, uh, NXT and and showcase them in that first hour. And then, you know, to, to, to a little bit into the second hour and then, you know, have, you know, like what uh, Tom Martin talks about, like, di- you know, wrestlers on different stages all up and down the card and have them, you know, move up and down the card and, you know, and, you know, which is something that they don't do in the WWE because the booking philosophy of WWE is everything is a segmented, everything's broken by segments and each segment is technically given the same amount of, uh, you know, um, shine to it. I think another problem is that wins and losses don't matter. You know, I think it would be so much easier for WWE booking if they actually took that into account. I mean, you've got Zelina Vega getting title matches on SmackDown. She hasn't won a match since she returned. You know, how, how does that happen? And so there, there's frustration out there that it feels like the matches are all just backdrops for the drama, when it should be the other way around. The drama is a backdrop for the matches, and it's it's frustrating as a fan to see – what happens in the ring, which is what most fans tune in for, just doesn't matter. And so, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, I say it's not an easy decision. It's, I mean, it is an easy decision, like you said, uh, in terms of Vince McMahon and, and him, you know, you, you're going to do what he wants. But as far as, like, any kind of philosophy shift uh, it, within WWE, it's just, it's, you're, you're rowing against the tide there because there's just it's not going to change it it is built to it is built to keep the status quo i think wwe is at this point and there's really with their skyrocketing tv deals there's not a lot of incentive for them to uh reinvent the wheel and so vince certainly isn't going to do that um the second part of roy's question is nxt talent's going to AEW uh at what point can AEW just not sustain any more talents. And I will say that, you know, they have a large roster for uh, a company that has two hours weekly of, of cable and then you know, an extra hour coming very soon on Friday nights. I think we want to make the distinction that, that many of the talents that appear on dark, dark elevation are not under contract. You know, they're kind of one and dones or they come in for spots and things like that. AEW doesn't necessarily have them under contract. So I think when you see wrestlers that, that were cut, 
uh, by WWE here from NXT, I think that's where you're going to see a, a lot of them. If they go to AEW, it'll be, you know, we'll give you a look on Dark, we'll give you a look on Dark Elevation, maybe even a Rampage, depending on what that show is going to look like. But yeah, I certainly don't think it's going to be a mad wave of these NXT talents flocking to AEW anytime soon. Yeah, and the thing is, I think that AEW's philosophy based on uh, before they, you know, they, they, they started uh, uh, shows when, you know, they're, during the, the early scrum, press scrums and stuff that they were doing, uh, I, I think the concept, it's not a mistake that they're called All Elite Wrestling. I think the concept because they wanted to work hand-in-hand uh, hand with uh, the independents. Because uh, a lot of the people, you know, a lot of the EVPs who are involved, uh, you know, have fondness for stuff like PWG and 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 uh, other indies that they worked in. I think that the, the idea is the idea of AW, which was uh, obviously scuppered, you know, because of the the pandemic, and they had to go to different, you know, you know, basically, you know, make dark a, a an eight hour show on YouTube. <laughs> um, they basically, you know, the the idea being that. You have your core elite group that's on your show, your main guys, and then you would pick up like the top guys in individual indies or, you know, and, and who bubble up, you bring them in for programs. And then if there's some, you know, and then just help them develop while at the same time, you help out the indies by sending out your, your champion, you know, sort of like with, you know, um, Omega going to impact, you know, you know, he, he's, he goes there, you know, to help them out. And then in return, they're getting, uh, you know, uh, um, the good brothers and, and, you know, however that, that situation goes. But I think that, you know, so when you see someone like, who was he mentioned? It was Orange Cassidy. Yes. Yeah. So, Orange Cassidy is not going to beat Omega. You know, he's not going to be the champion of your promotion. I mean, and I don't think he ever will be. He's not that kind of character. But you heat him up where he's at enough to give Omega a, you know, an actual challenge, and you're invested in that match. But then, yeah, he is going to go back to the the water level where 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 he is. But where he is now is a little bit higher than he used to be. So, you know, and, and that's how you build the guys. They'll, they'll become better and better. And maybe someday Orange Cassidy will be ready to be a top guy. But, you know, like, you know, Orange Cassidy is a bad example because, you know, Orange Cassidy, the, the, the gimmick that he is is, is, is what it is. But, like, um, Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is very young. You don't expect him to beat Omega when he wrestled him. Move him down, have him do something interesting somewhere, and then eventually heat him up again and go, go up, uh, you know, against Omega again. And just, you know, and the thing is that this works, you keep, you know, new blood coming in, you know, you always have new, you know, new, a new challenger for whoever your champion is, and you don't end up having the same feud go on for six months. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something else that was really attractive about the early days of NXT, where you had almost these, and I wrote about this in a, in a recent column in the Torch Newsletter, you had these different eras of NXT. And guys would cycle out, they would go to the main roster, new guys would move in as main event stars, you had all these major wrestlers debuting at TakeOver, sitting in the stands, things like that. And with with WWE basically putting a cap on NXT talents being elevated to the main roster. You have guys like Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa who seem to be NXT lifers and are okay with that. 
But the problem is it doesn't cycle those talons through anymore, and it becomes more like a, a stale scene because you do have those matches that feel like um, they're happening over and over again, which is the death knell of the main roster for a lot of people. So I think that's been a part of NXT that has really soured people on that uh, that that brand is – not only are you not seeing the stars be successful on the main roster, sometimes you're not even seeing them go to the main roster, and you're not able to cycle new talent through. Yeah, and particularly the speed that they've been doing, because I, I do think you do need those mainstays, uh, because those are the people, um, if, 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 you know, going, going to impact, like that's, that's your, uh, your Eddie Edwards. You know, he's, he, you know what you got with him. He's, he's like... He represents the company, and then you have young talent, you know, who will be wrestling them, you know, essentially like your gatekeepers, and then you know, so, and then those you have the young talent like cycle, you know, past them, and then that that's that's how you mark, you know, the the passage of you know of the person going up your ranks is by having them go through those gates. The thing is that, like you said, um, you know, with with them basically being on USA and them essentially writing stories like they do for the, for the main, you know, where every single match needs to have, you know, has to have to have some imports. You don't have squash matches or any, or, 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 or jobber matches or any of that stuff. And then everything becomes 50 and 50. There's no feeling of progression. And since there's no one leaving and going to the main roster and those that are being picked up at random from, you know, you know, Tegan Knox just, you know, I I I I finished shot. I just finished binging all of NXT that I was uh, the last uh, month and a half of N- N- uh, NXT today, and they did this whole thing with Tegan Knox, who for like a couple weeks they're you know doing this tease of someone coming back, comes back in the middle of the Candice LeRae match. The two of them have issues, and then she gets called up, and that and that, that that's it. So you know, mm-hmm. you're picking up people at random. So you know, it, it, uh, there's so much stuff that that with NXT that that's hurt that is not necessarily based on like a lot of the decisions that they're making outside of the you know fifty fifty booking that they've adopted because apparently that's how you do TV. We'll talk a little bit about Dynamite since we're on the subject of AEW uh, before we go to our final phone call of the evening. Coming up on this week's episode of Dynamite, Matt Hardy and Private Party take on Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Wheeler Yuta in a trios match. Darby Allen takes on Daniel Garcia. Chris Jericho faces Wardlow with MJF as either a special ref or enforcer, depending on who you listen to, in one of the Labors of Jericho matches, the fourth Labor of Jericho. The Good Brothers versus the Dark Order for the Impact Tag Titles. Dan Lambert will appear this time with backup, and Nyla Rose takes on Chris Statlander. Uh, very divisive opinions on the previous labor for Chris Jericho against Juventud Guerrera uh, this past week on Dynamite, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. I was definitely on the side of, wow, that match was really bad, but the finish was cool. Like I'll, I'll give him that. Jericho looked good coming off the top with the, the elbow on, on Juvi. And there were some very short spurts of that match that were kind of fun. But for the most part, I thought it was not I, – I thought it was, uh, to be honest, a match not worthy of national television in, in the United States. Um, but there are people who, who will swear by it. So I'm kind of interested on your thoughts on that match in particular from last week's Dynamite. Uh, that that is really interesting because I, I I have heard some people on Twitter say this is this is like the match of the year and I'm like dude you, you're crazy what are you talking about and at the same time I heard people say that this is like the worst match ever 
And I'm like, dude, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Because I'm like pretty much smack dab in the middle. Yeah, I mean, particularly the beginning of that match. The beginning of the match was really clunky, and I thought they were going to hurt each other. Um, but then once they got their, you know, the, the adrenaline running, because it, it felt like two people running out there cold, and once they warmed up, it was fine. It was not great. It was fine, I thought. Yes, Ms., uh, 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 Jericho looks like he's, he's a half step behind. He is older. I believe this is his retirement, uh, you know, his retirement to final storyline um, mm. is my belief. Um, you know, uh, Hoobie still moves decently once he got going. And, uh, I, but I was more sucked in by the story. I was, because of the fact that he, the week before he was basically bled to death by Nick Gage, I could understand him being, you know, I know reality is because he is literally a half step behind, but, you know, story wise, I can believe that, you know, this is guy who these, these, um, these labors have been wearing down on him as, as time's gone on. So I can understand that he's like at his limit. I will not be surprised if Jericho loses against uh, Wardlow to get Wardlow over with MJF's uh, help. And then MJF says, Oh, I don't have to deal with you anymore. And then Jericho makes him an offer that he can't refuse. He'll put his career on the line at the pay-per-view. So I think, mm. I mean, because that way you get over two people, you get Wardlow over, you know, as he's, you know, defeated Jericho, and then you get, and, and ended the labors, and then you get MJF over when he defeats Jericho, retires him, and it's something that he can, you know, crow about for the rest of eternity, and uh, solidify him as probably the most hated heel of all time. But the big question is, if Jericho retires, will he leave his boots in the ring? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, just, I would, just to bring I mean, things full circle. <laughs> I would, I would. At, at this point, like, you know, he's pretty savvy with, you know, he's, you know, probably heard some of the conversations. And, uh, no problem. I mean, because I've heard some people theorizing about uh, Cody, because Cody ends up leaving one boot. So it's like, does this mean he's like semi-retired? <laughs> you know? So uh, I, I would. I mean, just uh, why, why the hell not, you know? Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Yeah, I, speaking of that, um, that was another segment on AEW Dynamite from last week that got a, a lot of very differing opinions. Uh, there are still some people who like to equate Cody Rose to Triple H in terms of um, the way he books himself. Uh, you know, I've talked about with Wade on the post-Dynamite episode of, of um, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast about just how self-aware Cody is about how he comes across, and I'm, I'm still not convinced of that. Um, but what did you think of, of Malachi Black basically taking the match? You know, it's not the first time we've seen Cody go down in a one-sided loss, which you would think would sort of end the Triple H-Cody Rhodes comparisons. But, I mean, what did you think of that? Did you think Cody made it too much about himself 
rather than Black beating him at the end with that post-match speech. What was your take on the, the match and the post-match segment there? Well, I mean, a lot of people are still talking about, you know, this is how you put someone over. So they're, you know, on uh, articles I read online, both on the torch and other places. So, I mean, people were happy with the way that he put a, uh, put him over. Um, and really, I, I just think that that speech is designed to turn people on him. I mean, I, 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 I think he's, he is playing into the idea that some people think that he's, he's, uh, he's Triple H because he wants to be a heel. I mean, that's just, you know, uh, that, that's just, I mean, it, it's, it, it, I, I feel them my bones because I mean, I, I think that's what he really wants to do because I think he gets, he's going to have so much fun just being like, just out there like that. Um, and, and cause I mean, if you notice his, these little speeches I heard he he's giving are becoming more and more maudlin and more and more like self, uh, self-absorbed, like, you know, sit around and listen, you know, around the campfire. And I'll tell you a story of when I did, you know, that sort of thing. I, I, I think that's not done by accident. I don't think it's done to like get him over you know, as, as a heel, as, sorry, as, as a baby face, I think it's designed to turn people off. Cause I, I can't, you know, cause I don't, I, I hold, I hold his intelligence in higher esteem. So I don't think he's that uh, oblivious to things. And I think that's kind of the design of, you know, saying, Oh, woe is me. It may be time for me to retire. I, I think that's just part of the, you know, part, part of what he's working towards. All right, let's go to our final phone call for the evening. It is DJ from Miami, also from the 305 area code. Uh, DJ, uh, welcome to Wrestling Night in America tonight. What's on your mind? I got, okay, I got three good things, uh, hopefully. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> My first thing, John Moxley, whatever his name is, the plumber. Now, he went on some show, said, told Pizza uh, Domino's to chill out. That's crazy. No, nobody said anything. Nobody cares. He's he's not even like the top talent. Uh, if he did that in WWE, he'd be fired so fast. So fast his head would spin. Like, what do you guys think of that? That's crazy to me. I mean, what do you think? I don't. Crazy I don't that he told uh, Domino's to chill out. Yeah. Well, I mean, Domino's did put out the statement through Fun Office Sports that they were not happy with their uh, advertising being put in, in a match with, uh, you know, Moxley and, and or uh, rather Jericho and, and Nick Gage basically slice each other up. Uh, and Moxley, you know, representing AEW or not, maybe speaking on his own, telling Domino's to relax. I think, you know, Javier, I think that response is not unlike a lot of fans' responses to that. I think a lot of fans saw that statement and kind of rolled their eyes and, and basically told Domino's to chill out. Now, I guess you could make the argument that someone associated with AEW shouldn't be fanning the flames or anything like that, but uh, I certainly don't think it was anything over the line by Moxley. I mean, a lot of people on Twitter said, oh, man, I got to get, you know, they, they saw it as, a, as like, a hap, you know, a, a funny coincidence that, that that happened right after, that, that the commercial aired right after that. And a lot of people said, you know, oh, I'm going to order myself a, a pizza now. Uh, it's, you know, uh, it, it would have made more sense for them to, to just, okay, own it and say, you know, oh, you know, what, this is a bad coincidence. But, hey, let's make the most of it. 
would be the would be what I you know what I would do because you know it, it was just a coincidence that 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 it happened. Now as far as you know whether you know so I understand you know, Moxie, I I doubt that he was acting as an official spokesman. I think it was just you know he was saying what a lot of people were thinking. Um, and uh, I think it was Cardona put on uh, Twitter a picture of him with a pizza cutter and the. Uh, um, G, uh, what is it, GCW? Is that the the the, the, the initials of the company? Because I'm blanking on it right now. Uh, the the yeah. title belt and uh, you know Domino's Pizza and a pizza cutter. I, I thought you know it's like <laughs> it's it's viral marketing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you think it's what companies want these days, but uh, apparently Domino's is is resisting that urge for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, DJ, back to you for your second question for us. My second thing is, now, the NXT firings. Now, I don't know if this is true, but Dave said, uh, Uncle Dave said that, that quote-unquote, Vince and these guys said these guys are not big guys. So that's why they got rid of them. You're the one who hired them. You're the one who saw them and found them. What are you talking about? Like, I'm confused. Like, dude, we all know NXT guys are small. Like, if I understand they're gonna if they're gonna go to the main roster, it's one thing. But they're gonna stay in NXT. That's not cool, you know. That's Triple H's call. If it'd be different if they fought who's gonna go to the main roster. But if you're gonna get big guys, go find big guys. Hello, I don't get it. Please explain. Well, it's that philosophical change, right? So it's kind of what we talked about throughout the show. Is that you know at one time these guys were seen as valuable to WWE for whatever reason, whether it was to keep them away from AEW, whether it was to expand the NXT footprint around the world, or whether it was just, you know, philosophically NXT wanted to recruit high-level indie stars. And many of them are under WWE's known desired height and weight, you know, capacity. So, um, you know, as we've talked about, it could be something as simple as, all right, we're going to take a left turn here. Yes, we hired these guys, but we're going to change our philosophy of what we're looking for. We're going to change our philosophy of what we want NXT to be. And now, all of a sudden, all of these wrestlers that we have in NXT have become obsolete. So, uh, Javier, is that kind of, does that break it down? Is, is, is it that simple? Yeah, and I would think that, you know... Uh, I don't. I don't think that Vince McMahon signs off on everybody that comes through. I, I don't. I don't think that. Um, so uh, you know, are most of these people being chosen by Triple H and, and his group? And and since they obviously have a different philosophy, they understand what modern wrestling's like. And you know, my, my guess, like end of the day, I think my guess would be that NXT was kind of allowed to do its own thing, and now because of. Uh, you know, where the ratings are and, and, and how they lost to AW, I think NXT has uh, Vince's attention, and that's never a good thing. And I think now the mandate is uh, go younger, go bigger, uh, and the people who were let go are people who are older and not as big. Uh, you know, and, and there's, there are a couple question marks in there for me. I mean, and then you, you also don't know whether some of them are bad attitude people or what have you, um, two people I'm acquainted with because of uh, the work on Strong and uh, – uh, my former co-host uh, on the New Japan Pride podcast, uh, Bethany, uh, had known them or had met them, uh, uh, Alex Zane and, and Christian Blake. I thought that Alex Zane, who I think was uh, Ari Sterling, if I'm correct, on, yep. 
on NXT. He, um, you know, I would have thought that he would have been there longer than Blake because Blake is the one that doesn't really look like a WWE NXT guy. Um, you know, I was surprised when they signed Tyler Rust also, you know, when, when uh, Rust went on there too, because that, that, you know, but you know, I'm like, okay, well, is there going to make a faction with uh, Timothy Thatcher? Because Thatcher is another one that's kind of, you know, weird that I wouldn't see on the main roster. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, it's, it's a change of, you know, what you said, it was a change of philosophy. And uh, now, and also because I'm assuming that this room is more crafted by Triple H. This seems more like the roster Triple H would make. And now Vince McMahon goes, no, no, we're going to have my roster. All right, DJ, back to you for your third and final question for us tonight. Now, my final question is a two-parter. Now, AEW is getting big power coming in, like, you know, maybe Brian and maybe Punk, and, you know, they got Alex Black. Now, bringing in Wyatt and, let's say, maybe Braun. Now, if they bring that, right, and they come and take over Dark Order, then I feel like my question is this. They have so many heels. Only heel I feel coming in would be Brian, but I don't understand Punk could be either or, but we all know Punk is a great heel than a face. So I don't see Paige as the man, as going into this. Like, do you think they're going to turn or or do a face heel thing and give somebody else the belt then the page from from Omega, or what do you what do you guys see? Because there's so much star power coming in in the next few months, and I know he wants, I know Omega wants, you know, he's hurt. I know he wants, you know, take time for himself and everything. So, what do you guys see at the end of the day? What's going to happen? Uh, you know, uh, I think there are two camps here with this Javier, and and one of them is that AEW should capitalize on Punk and or Brian coming in and have them main event against Kenny Omega for the AEW championship at All Out, continue to bleed out the Adam Page story to where eventually he does, you know, beat his demons, he does rise up, and he does eventually get the title, just not at All Out. And then there's some people who believe, continue the page story. It was, it seemed like it was going to crescendo it all out. Don't let the acquisitions of Brian and Punk knock you off course for this storyline because it is a potentially huge storyline where you're making a new babyface champion and you're, you know, Kenny Omega is losing the title. I mean, that's a big story. And there are people who, who believe that. And, you know, based on Dynamite this past week, they seem to be pushing forward with Page versus Omega. Do you sense that's still the case, or do you think there's still room for Brian and or Punk to come in and take over that slot at All Out? Uh, no, I, I don't think that they were continuing Page versus Omega. I think that what we saw was a transference of Page Omega to Page and the Young Bucks. Young Bucks said that they don't have any challengers. The challengers, I believe, are going to be uh, Adam Page and Frankie Kazarian or somebody else, uh, um, you know, a, a, po- a possibility of uh, Adam Cole. Uh, since Adam Cole's uh, contract ends after SummerSlam, my understanding is that he doesn't, since he's basically on a handshake deal or like an extension, he doesn't have the, uh, the, the, the no compete uh, time if he jumps ship uh, from uh, WWE. So, 
I think that that's what the general idea is because, yeah, I do think that it is going to be Punk and Omega at uh, um, uh, All Out, right? Yeah, All Out. Yeah. Wrestling fans, are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Vallejos, host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at PWTorchDailyCast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Cast. I mean, what do you think about the other the other point that DJ brought up as far as AEW having too many heels? Uh, Daniel Bryan, I'm sure, will be brought in as a babyface. It's going to be hard to turn that guy. We, we saw the resistance to that when WWE tried to do it. AEW could be a little more nuanced about it and maybe a little more successful. And Punk, you know, if he debuts in Chicago, he's certainly not going to be a heel there. And if you have him going against Kenny Omega, he's going to be a babyface there. So uh, do you see it the same way that DJ does in terms of having too many heels and not enough top baby faces? I don't know. Cause I mean, I, I, I don't really feel that way. I mean, I would have to, you know, take down the roster and, 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 and break it apart. But, uh, you have, uh, Adam page that until now was your top storyline. And he was involved with the bullet club or sorry, bullet club, the, uh, the elite stuff. Uh, you've had um, Jungle Boy prominently from time to time. You've had the uh, um, uh, Ed Darby Allen prominently. You have Jericho prominently. Uh, you've had Moxley prominently, although he's taking a little bit of a back seat. Uh, you have uh, Archer uh, now doing his stuff. So, I mean, it, it, it's not like all the, the heels are, like, constantly there and they're kind of cycling through them. I don't watch dark, so I don't know what's going on, you know, what they're doing when they're not on the, on, on the main, on the main uh, stage. But in terms of, the, I don't know, the big guys, I mean, who, who other are big, um, big uh, heels are not in the elite. You have MJF. Miro. Um, Miro, who's the, the current challenger, uh, the, uh, sorry, TNT champion. Um, and like a lot of the other ones are like involved in programs. Brody. I don't know. It, 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 huh? Andrade too. Yeah, Andrade. Well, he, he's involved with the uh, with the Death Triangle stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. It, it, everybody who's like, it, I don't. The only people who haven't been really around too much in the last few episodes have been um, Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy. And I'm sure you know, but that's fine. Rotate them out for a bit, and then you know, 
uh, have other people come back. I know that Moxley also seems like he's taking a little bit of a back step, but uh, he's been more involved in the uh, New Japan side of things with the research and stuff that's going on. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think they have a – to me, they have a good, a good cadence. I don't, I don't think anyone's really totally been lost uh, from, from uh, of their important people. Uh, DJ, did you have a second part to that question, or did yeah, you give us both yeah, in the initial? Yeah, I, I, what I was like, what I was trying to say is like, if they bring Wyatt and then some, you know, and then what's a uh, Braun, right? And then they have Punk, and they uh, and then they have Brian. I feel like maybe I feel like Punk should be a better heel, but those two other guys are definitely going to be heels, and Brian's only babyface. And then Allison Black is a, is a heel too. I feel like. Why are they bring all these heels? They need more baby faces. Brian can't be the only one. That's what I was trying to explain to you guys. Well, I also think it's it's Punk and Brian seem like slam dunks right now. But I wouldn't I wouldn't bet the farm on Braun and Bray coming in at least right away. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know. There, there doesn't seem to be any rumblings on that. So I wouldn't get too worked up about that as I don't really okay. feel like that's as much of a slam dunk as as the others coming in. Right. Oh, yeah. I had to ask. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's. Yeah, and uh, and I would also say Daniel Bryan might not be coming in soon either, just because uh, if I were them, I'd stagger I'd stagger the releases, and with and I mean, and granted, this is a little bit me me selfishly hoping that uh, Bryan somehow finds himself in in the G1 this year, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I would stagger their uh, their releases and not have them both show up like you know within you know one after the other because I, I think those are two big draws. Yeah. All right, uh, DJ, thank you for calling this week. I uh, appreciate it. See you next week. And thank Alrighty. you for representing Miami. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, before we let you go, Javier, uh, you're one of the few guests I have on here, co-hosts I have on here that I can talk Impact with. So I don't want to let that go aside since I am caught up on Impact. They have another major show coming up uh, in two weeks as well. So it's going to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday because they have Emergence on August 20th, which is that Friday on Impact Plus. So it's another special event for them. Uh, So far announced for that, Jake Something versus Josh Alexander for the X Division Championship and the Good Brothers versus Violent by Design versus Rich Swan and Willie Mack for the tag titles. Uh, so that uh, is, is coming down the pike as well. Although if Dark Order wins the Impact Tag Titles on Dynamite this week, they would presumably be put into that match. Um, this past week on Impact, Chris Bay and Jay White defeated Juice Robinson and Dave, uh, David Finley. Jake Something earned that shot against Josh Alexander in an X Division number one contender match, defeating Davari, Rohit Raju, and Trey Miguel. Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering defeated uh, Fire and Flava at which time they broke up. And uh, Kira Hogan no longer under impact contract, so she'll be going elsewhere. Uh, Steve Macklin defeated Jossie. And Kazarian, Sammy Callahan, and Eddie Edwards defeated Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Uh, w. Morrissey came out after the match and attacked Eddie Edwards, who had defeated him and ended his undefeated streak at the last impact special event last Saturday. So a couple questions I want to get to here. Chris Bay being invited to be a part of the Bullet Club here by Jay White. Um, of all the people in Impact, does it surprise you that uh, Jay White, uh, for as big a star as he is in New Japan, has sort of uh, taken a, a shine to Chris Bay? No, I mean, uh, Bay kind of fits the uh, that side of the Bullet Club, like the ELP kind of like, you know, big personality. 
I mean, I'm not going to trust that he's officially Bullet Club until he wrestles uh, as Bullet Club somewhere in a New Japan program. So, because uh, on the first night that uh, he extended the invitation, they lost the first tag team match, and then he, uh, and then they say, "Oh, I don't take losers." So this is you're, you're on a trial basis. So you know, I can't like just you know discount the fact that by the time when Jay, you know, Jay White's just using him and by the time he leaves, you know, he's going to be taking the T-shirt with him. So I'm not going to, you know, yeah. discount that. But uh, if, if this is a legit, uh, a legit uh, invitation to the Bullet Club and he is a member and we see him on Strong, uh, maybe get involved in, um, you know, in, in uh, the uh, – he'd probably be a junior heavyweight, right? Um, you know, they, yeah. God knows they need more people on that on that over over in in, in uh, Japan, particularly for the uh, when you do the, the their tournaments and stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm excited for it. Uh, just the name, just the fact that that it was easy to coin a name Beyblade for the two of them <laughs> made me super happy. So uh, yeah, it, it's always yeah. nice when those when those just fall into place like that, isn't it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm. I'm I'm happy and I'm happy for uh, for uh, Chris Bay because uh, you know uh, when they signed him uh, he impressed me from day one so uh, and then I was overjoyed when he took part in one of the uh, tournaments on Strong so he's already had some appearance on New Japan so so yeah I'm I'm hoping that uh, that 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 uh, you know portends some good things. Uh, the other thing I want to ask you about is Trey Miguel, who was on the losing end of the number one contenders match for the X Division title. When he came back after he left with the rest of the Rascals, and of course uh, two of them went on to become MSK in NXT, Trey Miguel didn't get that invitation to NXT, so he re-upped with Impact and came back and and sort of was given a pretty prominent role when he returned, and he's sort of been cooled off, and, and now again losing in an X Division number one contenders match. Um, I kind of had high hopes. I thought that Miguel would be sort of a breath of fresh air in the main event scene. Um, are, are you disappointed with how that's worked out so far, or do you just see this as the natural cycle of booking? Yeah, I don't know. That was weird for me because when he came back, he cut a promo, like a really impassioned promo, where he was like almost like on the verge of tears. Don't remember what it was, but it seemed like he was he, – because he was talking about essentially – I think what they might have told him when uh, NXT didn't sign him. Uh, I, I just I don't remember. I'd, I'd, I'd have to go back and, and see what the problem was about. And you know, yeah, they they really pushed him hard. He was feuding with uh, Sammy Callahan, and he went over pretty strong on Callahan. Um, you know, they, and they kind of remade him into being kind of a badass. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it, after that, it kind of petered out. I don't know why. I don't know if it's a I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, I, I thought they were being, he was being built for something more, but, uh, yeah, he, they, it, the stuff kind of petered out. And right now he's kind of just like in the, you know, dealing with the X division stuff. Um, yeah. So it's kind of weird for portray. I am kind of, you know, I, I thought he was the strongest of the rascals when the three of them were together. Um, and you know, they had some good feuds with, uh, Austin, um, and I was going to Austin Aries, uh, Ace Austin, uh, and you know, yeah. So it was. Uh, it, it is surprising because uh, he, he. There's definitely talent there. Uh, when you see something like that, I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe there's something else going on behind the scenes. Don't know, but uh, uh, the, he's definitely a talented guy. 
And I would be remiss if I did not mention Deanna Perrazzo uh, will be facing Molina at the NWA All-Women's Pay-Per-View at the end of the month. That was announced on this show by Mickey James, who's putting together this pay-per-view. Uh, she introduced Molina as Deanna's opponent. Um, your, your thoughts on that match in terms of a, the use of Deanna Perrazzo on that uh, All-Women's Pay-Per-View? And then, you know, it's only been a couple shows, but the pairing of... Matt Raywalt, the drama king, formerly in, uh, in WWE um, as Aiden English, and Deanna Perrazzo. I, I think it's been a home run so far. Oh, yeah. They are like, it's like, where have you been? Uh, they work so well together because of the, the like, their two gimmicks. Just, it, 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 it man, uh, a perfect pairing for those two. Um the uh, and, and he's 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 I've enjoyed the he's been what uh, homecoming in like two shows I think um, he's been he's been fun um, uh, and and yeah I do like the the idea that that impact is going to have a presence on empower uh, I I like the idea that that shows you know drawing women from from multiple places too so uh, and then we recently had the first I, I, one of the things that of the whole Forbidden Door that I kind of been wishing would be seeing more AEW women uh, pop up on Impact and we got to see uh, Thunder Rosa during the homecoming <clears throat> excuse me uh, at the homecoming event so uh, that was cool and um, but I'm I'm hoping to see more more of that uh, with with the women not just the men because I I think that that would mainly help a lot of the AW women. All right, Javier, uh, we've covered a lot of ground here this week on Wrestling Night in America. Appreciate your insight and your opinions on this. And uh, before I let you go, I'll, I'll let you plug what you do for the torch and where fans can follow you. Well, for one thing first I want to get your opinion on is uh, Moose and Ishii. <laughs> um, I have not... Was it a match that took place in New Japan? No, no I haven't, it's, I'm not it's caught up for on resurgence. It's 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 booked for it? resurgence. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, see, I'm way behind on New Japan, so I, it's, it's hard for me to uh, comment too much on it. But that's, I mean, you want to talk Forbidden Door? <laughs> that's going to be really interesting. And I think you know, I, to be honest with you, Moose is a guy ever since that EC3 feud in in Impact. Like I've loved a lot of what he's done, and I I was not a Moose fan for the longest time in, in Impact, but um, I love the work that he's done, and you know I think he could learn a lot from that sort of match against Ishii. So I'm I'm really intrigued. I, I'm, I'm that that is the match I have circled for that event. Uh, don't you know? Don't care about uh, any of the other stuff. Uh, I think Moxley and the uh, <laughs> are, is wrestling the Good Brothers with the uh, with originally originally it was supposed to be Shota Umino, but uh, he's not going to even make it because of uh, travel restrictions. Uh, so it's going to be a surprise uh, partner. Uh, so you know, Impact being well represented over on uh, the, the uh, New Japan's resurgence. So uh, looking forward to that one, which is this week, right? Yeah, on the 14th. Yeah. Yeah, I just did the preview. Coming up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just did the promo, which is, you can listen to it on the New Japan Pride podcast. Uh, nice segue there. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the things I covered uh, on the uh, most recent episode, I covered that. Um, the uh, Young Lions, uh, Shota Umino and uh, Yoda Suji got their graduation gifts, wrestling Okada and... Uh, and uh, Naito, respectively, they're going on excursion. Maybe we'll see them on Impact. Maybe we'll see them on AEW. Maybe we'll see them on uh, New Japan Strong. Uh, so uh, I covered that. And uh, if you want to, you know, I try to keep 
I, I try to follow the for, Forbidden Door stuff. So on the New Japan Pride podcast, I'm basically covering everybody, trying to cover, trying to. I might miss some, some stuff might fall between the cracks, but, you know, cover, uh, you know, uh, you know, Jay White on Impact, um, you know, uh, Archer on, uh, who's the current uh, uh, IWGP US champion on AW. I try to, you know, see, you know, try to have all the information in one place, place for you, so. Uh, that's the New Japan Pride podcast for uh, so uh, VIPs for uh, on, on the VIP side of things, and uh, also write primers for uh, AEW and Impact and uh, uh, WWE pay per views. And uh, if you want to follow me, you can follow me at uh, Jay Machado LK. And uh, I don't tweet ever, but I will follow you back and. Uh, and uh, if you want to have any questions on New Japan, you can send them at uh, New Japan Pride Podcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Thank you, Javier. Uh, if you want to go VIP, pwtorch.com slash go VIP is where you can find all the information. So, Javier, uh, appreciate you spending some time with us tonight. Hey, thank you for having me, man. Again, uh, always a pressure. A, a pressure. A pleasure. <laughs> uh, I hope it's not too much pressure. <laughs> no, no, no. Although maybe by a slip of the tongue, maybe uh, for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Have a good night. All right, you too. Have a good night. Thank you. And uh, thank everybody out there for listening to us. Uh, we'll be back right here next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. We will be previewing SummerSlam and TakeOver 36. It's going to be a big show next weekend here, pwtorchdailycast.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Greg M. Parks. I am Pro Wrestling Torch uh, columnist Greg Parks. And we'll see you next Sunday, because if it's Sunday, it's Wrestling Night in America. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PWTorch DailyCast lineup. Just search PWTorch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com.
One of the really cool parts of being a VIP member is getting to relive history through the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. We have Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters dating back to the late 1980s. We put a new back issue up from 20 years ago that week. And so when you go VIP, you instantly have access to over 1,500 back issues and a new PDF along with an all-text version, if it's easier for you to read that on your phone, uh, goes up every weekend. And the latest issues include a cover story from the June 10th, 2000 issue on Goldberg's return to WCW and whether he's a solution to what was ailing WCW at the time. Also, my column titled, Vince Russo is from Outer Space, and Bruce Mitchell's column, still timely today, unfortunately, of Racist Gimmicks and Poverty Pimps was the title. That's issue number 606. The week before that, issue number 605 from June 3rd features a cover story that talks about how there could be a shakeup in the wrestling industry with WCW for sale and ECW having an uncertain future. And also a Bruce Mitchell column spoofing Vince Russo titled, How I Became World Champion. If we go back another week to the May 27, 2000 issue, it had detailed coverage of the Judgment Day 2000 pay-per-view, including my review and staff roundtable reviews of the Rock Triple H 60-minute Iron Man match, and also the final installment of the Lance Storm Torch Talk, with his thoughts on various ECW colleagues. The week before that, the May 20th, 2000 issue, issue number 603, features a cover story on Ric Flair's collapse in the ring during Nitro, part three of the Lance Storm Torch Talk, with his explanation for why he decided to quit ECW, our coverage of ECW Hardcore Heaven, the pay-per-view, and more. And then the week before that, the May 13th issue features a cover story on the changing TV landscape in pro wrestling, with the WBF moving from USA to TNN and a potential shift of ECW. Also a cover sidebar story on the death of an ECW fan after a hotel party and WCW slamboree coverage. And the week before that, our coverage from the May 6th issue, number 601, of David Arquette winning the WCW title. My EndNotes editorial examining Vince Russo's controversial decision and flippant comments about title belts, our coverage of WWE Backlash 2000, and more. I could keep going on, but that gives you an idea of what you're missing out on by not being a BIP member. Imagine settling in on the weekend and uh, kicking back and reading wrestling history, not through the lens of WWE filtering it to their benefit, not through people looking back on it through today's lens, but what was said at the time, the week it happened, by some of the voices that you are familiar with here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and PW Torch Daily Casts. So go VIP and relive professional wrestling through the way the Torch covered it in real time with contemporaneous coverage of Pro Wrestling's biggest events, biggest news stories, biggest personalities. I think you'll have a blast. It alone is worth the membership price for so many of our members. Check out details on everything else that comes with the VIP membership, including daily podcasts that are VIP exclusive and shows like this with the ads and plugs removed. Go to pwtorch.com slash govip for full details. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. Prices are as low as $8.25 a month on average if you subscribe for a year or check us out for a month for $9.99.